Well, thanks so much for joining us on Cranford Radio. I'm your host, Bernie Wagonblast. Nearly 50 years ago, the Cranford High School girls basketball team was playing its first season. Not only did the team hit the floor for the first time, but by season's end, they were playing in the state championship game at Brookdale Community College. Joining me on the podcast today are three key members of that squad, Lisa Levine, Carol Blaisdowski, and Nancy French. I'm happy to say that not only was I a member of the same graduating class as all three women, but we were all classmates going back to our elementary grades at Lincoln School. Carol, Nancy, Lisa, welcome to Cranford Radio. Hello Thank there, you. happy to be here. Well, great to see you all again. In some cases, it's been years since, well, I guess in all cases, it's been years since uh, I've seen any of the three of you. So, uh, so nice to kind of get reacquainted and catch up a little bit on, it's hard to believe, five decades ago that uh, we're talking about here in terms of the girls' basketball squad. I mentioned in the opening that all four of us go back to Lincoln School. And I'm curious for those who remember that girls' basketball squad and, and how great it was, do you think the fact that all three of you played together from elementary school helped make you as great a team as you were when you finally got to high school and the creation of a girls basketball team at the high school? Absolutely, Nancy. Nancy had a court in her backyard, so we would go over there and, and shoot as a team, a three-team together. And then Lisa, of course, was right down the street from me on Cayuga Road, and her dad had put up a basketball hoop, and I was a regular at her house as well. So clearly the three of us starting at an early age really laid the foundation for what later on became um, championship material. Lisa, Nancy? How about the two of you? What were some of your recollections of those early days, Lincoln School time? Well, you know, we didn't have an opportunity to play on any kind of organized teams at that time, but we met not only in our backyards, but also at the playgrounds and played against a lot of boys, pretty much all boys. And so I feel like we learned each other's habits and abilities as we grew in the game. Lisa and Carol, you, as Carol mentioned, were neighbors on Cayuga Road. I remember going over your house and playing basketball or trying to play basketball, in my case, in the driveway there. What are some of your memories of when you first met? Was it just as, as neighbors that you first met or was it in school? Do you remember what that was like, Lisa? Yeah, I think we were about four years old and we, we almost were forced to walk together to school. It was almost a mile, and it worked out great. We shared our lives. We really did. Um, one thing you asked about our learning, we learned a lot about each other. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, we, we learned to watch our, our eyes. We knew we would win. We knew we would lo lose. But the most important thing was we knew we were going to learn. And so we developed our own techniques for learning. One was watching our eyes. I know for me, I would watch them and how they ran, how they shot. So we had many, many years to study each other, not just study each other, but to really learn how to play the game. And we really learned from each other. There was no one else. Mm -hmm. So we developed our own techniques and then we learned them. But that's the way I saw it. And it was fun all the way through. 
<laughs> I had nothing but fun. That is one of the nice things about those memories. Carol, I've heard the story many times about how the girls' basketball team came to be at Cranford High School. But I'd like you to recount it, because I know you were instrumental in the creation of a girls' basketball team at Cranford High. Well, you know, as, as my teammates said, it was either in the backyards or down in the schoolyards we were playing against boys. And we played a little CYO hoops. But there came a, a point when we realized that, you know, we were getting older and we didn't have a chance to play organized ball together for a real score or a <laughs> chance to try to get a championship against other neighboring township public schools or parochial schools. You know, I knew all the boys on the team. We all did, right? Um, I maybe played with more of them than Nancy and Lisa did. But, you know, at that point, I felt that we needed something more and went into the athletic director, Mr. Martin, who was the boys basketball coach, and uh, quite frankly, asked them to put a girls team together for our senior year. Mm -hmm. And he um, was reluctant uh, to do that, crying poverty. Uh, no money for the girls. And remember, Title IX wasn't a thing back then. It had come into a law, but it wasn't, it wasn't followed or there was no compliance, quite frankly, at that time. It was just kind of shoot away. And then, um, you know, long, long story short, I just said, look, well, you know, I'm going to have no choice but to play on the boys team and my teammates may follow me. And then you got a bigger problem on your hands. And I don't think you want that. Somewhere along those lines, that's kind of how it went. And then I guess he saw the light and we had uh, the next year, we had a team, we had a schedule, we had bright banana yellow uniforms that also served as a softball uniform. You know, the rest is history. We went on a great role and ended up in the finals and then lost to uh, Gloucester Catholic mm -hmm. uh, down at Brookdale Community College. And, and I remember that game because I remember how tall they were, how skilled they were. And we had just really met our match. So Terrific run. I forget a lot because it's been 50 years, but I do remember that. <laughs> you know, obviously we're talking about basketball, but quite often when you're talking about athletes, they play more than one sport, especially at the high school and pre-high school level. Did the three of you play other sports other than just basketball? I played varsity tennis. Mm -hmm. We always had an outlet of another sport, just in case. I know in my case... I saw the future in front of me, I was five feet. And at the time I didn't see any future basketball. So I knew I had to figure out something else. So in my case, I selected tennis and it was a great diversion from basketball, nothing like basketball, but I enjoyed it just as much. And I went on to play varsity in college. So it did pay off for me. Nancy, how about you? Were you playing any other sports back then? Yeah, well, actually, the first sport that was offered for the girls in Cranford was the field hockey team. And so I went out. I didn't even like field hockey, <laughs> but <laughs> it was the first sport. So I played and I was actually the only girl from the south side on the team. And then that first year, in addition to field hockey, this was our junior year. They also started the girls softball team. Lisa played on the first tennis team that spring. So we didn't all three play softball together. I also swam in the summer with the Cranford Community Pool swim team. Mm -hmm. But I also wanted to say one thing about Bill Martin. So first of all, he did, you know, in his defense, he did give us three sports the first 
year that we were in high school. He did say he wasn't going to do basketball until we had the second gym, so there wouldn't be a conflict for practice and whatnot. I think Carol saying that she was going to go out for the boys' team probably motivated him to make sure we had a team that next year, though, for sure. Carol, you mentioned that the basketball uniform could also double as a softball uniform. Were you also a softball player? Yes, I played softball. I um, That was, believe it or not, my first love. And oh. I also played some semi-pro softball because, uh, you know, just outside of the school system and really, really loved that and could have been very good at it. But then in college, I played one year in college, my freshman at Montclair State, and then just got bored and, and recommitted myself to the, to the game of basketball. Nancy, you talked about when you were talking with Bill Martin and, and they wanted to have the second gym that was available. And the girls basketball team, I think most of the time, if not all of the time, played their games in the old gym of the high school, whereas the boys got to play in the new gym that was more spacious and had more extras, so to speak, compared with the old gym. While I didn't do an extensive search before we were talking today, I went back to old issues of the Cranford Chronicle to see how was the girls basketball team covered by the Cranford Chronicle. And it was interesting. First thing I noticed was big articles about the boys' basketball team and what they were doing. The girls' basketball team, the first time I noticed an article was in March, so well after the season had started. And interestingly enough, it was written by one of our classmates, Kathy Blood, wrote the article about the girls' basketball team. Did you feel that in one way you had won the fact that the girls' basketball team had been created, but you were still sort of second-rate citizens in the eyes of the school and the community in any way? I personally liked that we had our own gym, that we weren't sharing it with the boys. In fact, when we got into the playoffs, Bill Martin gave us permission to use the new gym for the playoff games. And we were like, why would we want to not have our home court advantage and play in a gym that we've never practiced in? So like, no, we'll stay in the little gym. Now, you know, hindsight now probably would have rather played in the big gym, but I liked it at the time. Mm -hmm. And I should mention, for those who don't know, all three of you are in the Cranford Sports Hall of Fame. Carol was inducted in the first year that they started the uh, Hall of Fame. And then the entire girls basketball team from 1974 was inducted later on in the Hall of Fame. Going back to that season, I'd like to ask each one of you, what were some of your best memories from being part of that first girls basketball team? That is a good question. (laughs) I think it was that we were able to sit back and just enjoy playing. It was all set up for us. We had a nice gym. We had what we thought was support from our management. We had a coach. So we could just step on the court and enjoy ourselves. To me, I felt like that was the first time. And then we could think about really just playing with each other. We didn't really feel, I didn't even really feel the stress of playing. As a matter of fact, Most of the games, I didn't even know what the score was. (laughs) I was having so much fun. It didn't matter. What mattered was the synergy between all three of us. And every play that we did with each other just gave me a rush. And that's what I enjoyed about it. The score worked out the way it did, but that's what I enjoyed. 
just playing with them and having something and executing something and feeling so great about it. Those were my moments. Mm -hmm. Nancy, how about you? Well, first of all, as Lisa kind of touched on, I was thrilled that we had a place to practice indoors every day, all winter long. You know, for so many years, we practiced outside all the time because we didn't have access to indoor facilities. I can remember on a snow day, the three of us meeting at Lincoln School in the morning and we shoveled the basketball court all morning, went home for lunch and then came back and played basketball all afternoon. So to me, it was I'm kind of odd in that I really like practice more than games. I just love learning and practicing and, and all that. So to me, that was a joy just to have access to the court every day. And Carol, how about you? Well, uh, you know, for me, it was um, not only the camaraderie that was so special because it was from an early childhood, we, you know, here we were uh, in our final year of high school, getting a chance to really play for something in an organized fashion. In hindsight, you see that you kind of paved the way for the next generation. But at the time, it was the excitement of winning game after game, because back then, given the first year that we played, it was more about the parochial schools who had established programs that were going to be, you know, advance into the state playoffs and, and buy for a championship. But we were the underdog and we kept winning and winning and winning. And so the sense of pride and the unity and the ownership of finally having something organized to play and compete for was really uh, exhilarating. Mm -hmm. And uh, to do it with your childhood friends uh, was even more special. I know it's been, like I say, 50 years almost since uh, we all graduated in 1974. So a lot of life has taken place after graduation. I want to check in on with all of you. Tell me a little bit about what you did after graduation in terms of college and, and the rest of your life, if you would. Nancy, why don't you start off? So my freshman year, I went off to Montclair State with Carol. We were actually sweet mates that year. And then, you know, I had literally saved every paycheck from all my high school jobs, never spent a cent all for college because my parents weren't able to contribute. And in that first year at Montclair, I had literally spent every cent. Mm. So uh, in the meantime, my parents had moved to Louisiana right after we graduated from high school. And so they had established residency in Louisiana. And so I made the financial decision to transfer to LSU, which was not only far cheaper, but it allowed me to stay at my parents' house initially. And, um, and so that saved me a lot of money too. Had to redshirt that first year at LSU, but then played three more years. And we had a pretty successful team for a couple of those years. We actually, I think it was your senior year, huh, Carol, that Montclair came down to LSU and played? So yes, that was the only time in our career that we played against each other. Yeah, that was great. You had those two big Aussies. Yes. Australian <laughs> players. Yes. <laughs> Tell us about that game. I'm, I'm, curi I'm curious to hear about that game. Well, well we were, I, I, I do recall we were both in the top 20, but we got smoked. Montclair got smoked. You know, we had never seen the Twin Towers like that. So we were looking at the backs. 
of their jerseys most of the game. But we recovered. We recovered at, at year's end and made it to the first ever Final Four. But that was a wake-up call for us. I think it was just great that uh, we were able to schedule uh, LSU. And, and, and again, see Nancy, it was just strange seeing her in a different uniform than me, though. Yeah, my recollection was that, well, first, I looked up the article that my mother had put in a scrapbook last night. And Montclair was ranked third in the nation at the time. Oh, we were? I okay. Think, I don't know if LSU was even ranked yet. We had played in the national championship game the year before, but we were pretty much a Cinderella story coming out of nowhere to get to the national final game. So we may have been ranked. Didn't say so in the article, though. <laughs> but I remember our coach saying, Carol's going to get her points. Let's not worry about doing something fancy to stop her because we're not going to do that. Let's just make sure nobody else can score. <laughs> and um, and Carol did have 32 points in the game, but uh, LSU won 85-80. Oh, that's, that was, so no, was that's interesting. Okay. And y'all were ahead at halftime for sure. I mean, Should have scored 40. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, and after college graduation, uh, Nancy, what was the rest of your life like? Well, I actually continued on with my major, which had been physical education. And uh, I taught and coached for 18 years. In the meanwhile, I also got my master's degree in um, secondary school counseling. But then I didn't use that degree per se. I became the high school registrar, which is sort of an arm of the counselors and the administration. So I did all the scheduling and state reporting and transcripts and all that kind of stuff. And I actually really enjoyed that. I thought I was a much better registrar than I ever was a teacher or a coach. (laughs) (laughs) Carol, I think anybody who's followed your career knows some of the uh, highlights of your career, but tell us a bit about your post-CHS life, if you would, please. Well, went on to Montclair State, again, Grew up in Cranford, blue collar, so we didn't have much funding to go anywhere else. Title IX wasn't a thing that, again, was really implemented, so there were no scholarships. So went right up the road, right up the parkway to Montclair State, four years there. Started out as regional, you know, success, and then went all the way to the first ever women's final four, Pauley Pavilion, losing to the champions, the ultimate champions at UCLA. After that, you know, I had got cut from one Olympic team in '76 went on to uh, pursue my goal in 1980 to play an Olympic team, made that team, but then there was uh, some political uproar and we ended up not going, boycotted that year for the Russian invasion in Afghanistan. And so never went to compete in the Olympics, although I am still on the Olympic roster. Mm -hmm. After that, it was basketball was really just really starting to blossom for women. There was a pro league WBL. It lasted for three years, played one year in that league. It was a wonderful experience, even though I never got paid. uh, It was still fun, uh, nonetheless, to play professional basketball in this country and do something you love. Could have played overseas in Italy or a couple other countries, just decided at that point, maybe I needed to turn my attention to a real career, uh, make some money and just start a new life. And so that's exactly what I did. My basketball background and my network of folks that I 
accumulated over the years helped me find my first job with Adidas. So I was in the sporting industry for a good 30 years, first with footwear company, then with the NBA, then ultimately with Madison Square Garden, where I was the GM of the New York Liberty. So that again was the dream job for me. I did that for 14 years. I was able to, if not make an impact as a player on the professional level, certainly as a administrator or a GM, as an executive, quite frankly, Mm -hmm. to um, help promote the game even further. So that was just, as I said, the world's most famous arena, had a chance to play there as a player. Now I'm running a team that's home court is the garden. I mean, doesn't get any better. Like all good things, they come to an end, uh, left the Liberty, went back to my alma mater, Montclair State, and uh, had uh, worked there for 10 years as an administrator, but not in sports at all, not on the athletic side, but more as an administrator that did events, communication, everything in the kitchen sink because of my business background. Along the way, uh, had two kids, adopted two children, my son, Luke, who now is 24, and my uh, daughter, uh, who is, I'm proud to say, a doctor uh, at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota, wow. first year. So it's, it's been fun. And now it's on to the next journey. Well, two things, Carol, that you didn't mention because you're too humble. Number one, you are in the Basketball Hall of Fame up in Springfield, Massachusetts. And two, I believe for a number of years, you held the basketball scoring record for Madison Square Garden, if I'm not mistaken, right? That's a collegiate record for most points scored in a game, 52 points. And it is still a record, men or women. Wow. Yeah, I'm proud of that. But, you know, as you get older, it's just kind of... Okay. You know, it's, it's, it's always nice to be remembered. So thank you, Bernie. I do appreciate that. <laughs> I have sort of a Madison Square Garden story. LSU did go up and play in a double header in Madison Square Garden my senior year. And LSU played the first game. Well, the second game was being played by Old Dominion. And I don't even remember who they played, maybe Queens College. But they had Nancy Lieberman on their team. She was also a fellow Olympian with Carol. And anyway, she was from Far Rockaway, New York. And so there was a zillion signs in the garden that day that said, like, welcome home, Nancy. And (laughs) we love you, Nancy. And all my teammates were like, I can't believe you have so many people here to see you. I had to tell them it was not to me. You should have waited at least a, a couple of games before you let him in on the trip. Yeah, you should have went with it, man. You just roll with that. <laughs> well, Lisa, tell us about what happened with you after you graduated in 74, please. My life took a very different turn. I went into computer technology, but I do have one little story with basketball changing my life. A friend of mine's father, used to come to our games. I did not know he came. And he was in computer technology with a famous hardware company. And one day after we graduated, he asked me for my resume. I gave him my resume. He took it to Sperry Univac, who was the company. And I got a call a couple of days later for an interview. I went to the interview and they hired me. But I always wondered why it was so quick. Who would have thought coming out of high school and college, I would have gotten that opportunity. As it turns out, they told me that I got the job 
because of our teamwork in basketball. Wow. I could not believe it. That is what did it. So thank you, both of you. <laughs> because it really it got me that job. And what was significant about it is it gave me a future. So something that seemed just localized to our, our high school turned into my career, turned into my life. And I actually retired from that business. So it was him, but it was also thanks to you two and the rest of the team for actually getting me that job. So I appreciate it. I have lived in different places because the nature of the job does require you to move. I went on and got my master's in business administration from Johns Hopkins. I worked on some interesting projects and I got lucky. I worked on the NASA shuttle program and supported most of the missions until unfortunately Challenger. Mm -hmm. My other significant job is I was vice president in charge of implementing EasyPass oh, on the technology yeah. side. It was a nightmare, but I haven't gotten any feedback from anyone that they didn't like it. So I'm sort of proud of the two positions I ended up with, which was the shuttle program and EasyPass. And I taught at Rutgers for 10 years after that. You know, most people have three careers. It's an average. And that's exactly what I did. So then I retired and came down here during COVID. And I did not see this house. I bought it online. Wow. As it turned out, it's the best house I could have bought. But we did not know it at the time. We just took the risk. So here I am. Come on down. <laughs> All right. I may take you up on that. Absolutely. And P.S. I was a late adopter of Easy Pass. You know how many years I commuted to New York City from Nutley? That stupid Lincoln Tunnel. I would pull out my dollars every day. And then a couple of my colleagues said, Are you out of your mind? You need to go with Easy Pass. And I'll tell you what, it was. Congratulations. You made my life much, much easier. Thank you. Thank you. I had no idea, Lisa, that you were involved with EasyPass because I was working at the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey when they first were implementing EasyPass. And when I was a part of that. Oh, okay. And one of the things that I did, uh, I think the first agency in New York City to implement it was the Triborough Bridge and Tunnel Authority. And they had a phone system that you could call in to find out about your account and stuff. And I was the original voice on that account or on that phone number that people would call into. But I had no idea that you and I shared some easy pass experience going back, well, I guess the mid nineties, early nineties, something like that. Yeah. The processing center is in Secaucus. Mm -hmm. um, once that opened, we were able to incorporate Port Authority and then start with the bridges in Philadelphia. So my claim to fame was opening that processing center, unfortunately, where you all got tickets, by the way. <laughs> so that was the final step. And that was the inter major interface. We did have some setbacks because I implemented on three different roads. Well, four, actually. As you know, the Parkway is, has their toll system, which is different than the Turnpike, mm -hmm. which is different than Lake City, which is different than Port Authority. So it was a consortium and it was so difficult to meet everybody's needs, almost impossible. Mm -hmm. The turnpike, we had to flip a switch, literally, because you can't do one entrance or exit. 
So they were huge challenges that I never experienced before. Looking back on it, I've always gotten good feedback. So thank you for the feedback. (laughs) It was a nightmare, but it's a great project to look back on. I want to thank all three of you so much for taking the time to chat with me here on Cranford Radio. It has been wonderful catching up with all three of you and going back and remembering those early days. I was there at Brookdale Community College in the stands when you played that game against Gloucester Catholic and walked away like everybody else from Cranford, disappointed that we didn't come out with the win for that game. But it was a wonderful memory to have watched the three of you and the other members of the 1974 girls basketball team take to the court and really give a demonstration about how to play basketball to so many people. So I want to thank all three of you. My guest on this episode of Cranford Radio has been Carol Blaise-Jowski, Nancy French, and Lisa Levine. Lisa, Carol, Nancy, thank you so much for being my guest on Cranford Radio. Thank you. Talking with everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Bernie. Thank you for pulling this together. It really was great.